The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The shepherds went in haste to Bethlehem, found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. When eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I was at seminary in New Orleans. Right across the street from the seminary was a music venue, bowling alley called Rock and Bowl. And every August, there was this tradition at Rock and Bowl. It was called the Back to School Night. Now, Back to School Night was all of the people would wear their old uniforms from high school. We'd try to squeeze into our uniforms. That's just funny in and of itself, right? Just to go and watch that. But then at the break, the mixed nuts were playing. At the break, the intermission, all the different schools would get up on stage. They'd take turns. And the guys from Jesuit would sing their alma mater. And then the girls from Chappelle would sing their alma mater. And all the different schools would do it. I was the only one at that night from Baton Rouge. So I got up by myself. And I sang my alma mater. All hail to you, St. Michael High. Anybody? The black and gray and red. I got a whole row right here and you didn't join me. They're from St. Michael. Okay. The alma mater. It's not only the school that nourished us, taught us, hopefully disciplined us, and then birthed us into the world. It's also the song in praise of that school. You know what alma mater means? means nourishing mother, nourishing mother. The church has an alma mater too, a song and praise of our mother. And just like most high schoolers, we may be mumbling through it, moving our lips at the football games, like not knowing exactly. We never learned it until the very end of the song. The church's alma mater, alma mater I, I propose, is the alma redemptoris mater. We've been singing it through the Advent season at the end of Mass. The Alma Redemptoris Mater, the nourishing mother of the Redeemer. And through its lyrics written by a monk in the 11th century, old, 900 years old, we will come to contemplate the beauty and importance of not only Mary in our faith on this uh, Mary Mother of God feast day, but actually the church, because everything you can say about Mary you can say about the church. Everything you can say about the church, you can say about Mary. And we'll use the, our alma mater, the alma redemptoris mater. It's number 83. Take your hymnals out. Open to number 83. We're going to learn our alma mater. Maybe not the notes, but at least what the words are. Number 83, now it's in Latin, Alma Redemptoris Mater, but at the bottom you see the English translations. We'll go through that. What does it say about Mary and about the church? So it starts, 
loving Redeemer, loving Mother of the Redeemer, who remains the gateway of heaven. So obviously this is easy to see as a title for Mary, loving Mother of the Redeemer. She was and is the mother of Jesus. But not only just the mother of Jesus, we don't say it just like that. In fact, we say it the mother of God. Because the early church, it was very important for them to recognize that if she is the mother of Jesus and Jesus is God, then we must be able to say that Mary is the mother of God, lest we divide the two natures of Christ. So she is the mother of Jesus and therefore the mother of God. She's the gateway to heaven. See, heaven came to us through her. She is the portal, the porta celi. Heaven came to us through her. And so, many saints say, we ought to go back to heaven through her. The wedding feast of Cana, think about it. Uh, They ran out of wine. There was a need. We often have needs and people say, "Well, well, just go straight to Jesus. Well, that's not what they did. Who brought that first need? The first time Jesus answered our prayers here on earth, who was it that brought that need to them? Mary. He said, Mary, we ran out of wine. She said, hold up, I'll get you some wine. And so she interceded. Obviously, Jesus on the cross is giving Mary to the church, John, and John, the church, to Our Lady. He says, woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. So Mary is that gate. The church also, remember everything you can say about Mary, you can say about the church. The church, it seems a little weird to call the church the loving mother of our Redeemer. How is the church the mother of God? Well, a mother means someone who bears life and gives that life to the world. What does the church do? Bears the sacraments, holds the sacraments, and then births it into the world. Matthew 28. Jesus is about to ascend. He's setting up the church and he says, go and baptize the nations. Right? Go to the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, be the mother of my grace to the world. And so the church is the mother of our Redeemer. And then moving on, this is one of my favorite parts of this hymn. Star of the sea. Look down at the lyrics. Star of the sea. Give aid to a falling people that strives to rise. Where's this title, Star of the Sea, come from? What's well, a nauti- nautical tile, title? It's from explorers. When you're out at sea, in the middle of the ocean, you don't have any landmass to guide you. There's no reference point, the waves moving up and down, crashing onto the bow. Where do you go? How do explorers navigate, before we had GPS and stuff, the sea? The stars, and particularly one star, Polaris. See, that star didn't move. While all the world moved around it, we can know where we are because of that star. And so the church gave Mary that title, Stella Maris, Star of the Sea, because she always points us in the right direction. She never has much lines in Scripture. She doesn't have a lot of lines. Right? If you were playing Mary in a play that is scripture, you'd be like, sweet, I got that. Let it be done according to my word and do whatever he tells you. Those are the words that Mary says in scripture. Do whatever he tells you. They say that to you right now. Mary says it. 
Do whatever he tells you. She is the star of the sea pointing. You know, the church, again, you can say everything about Mary as you can say about the church. The church is the star of the sea. If the world is the ocean and there's so much pulling us in different directions, so many things trying to grab our attention. You got the left and the right. You got violence. You got social media. You got wars happening. Where do we go? What, what direction are we going? The church is the star of the sea. We must hold on to the ark. The old, uh, the church fathers used to call the church the ark. The bark of St. Peter. It's not the ark of Noah. It's the ark of St. Peter. We must hold on. It, Walker Percy sums this up pretty well. Walker Percy, a, a novelist we know pretty well here in these parts. We have a Walker Percy festival every summer. He, he said this. It was an interview. The interviewer says, aren't you a Catholic? Walker Percy says, yes. What kind of Catholic are you? Walker Percy said, bad. <laughs> but don't you believe the dogma of the Catholic Church proposes for belief? He says, yes. And the interviewer says, how is such a belief possible in these days? His simple answer was, where else is there? What else is there? Interviewer, what do you mean what else is there? Isn't there humanism and atheism and agnosticism and Marxism and behaviorism and materialism and Buddhism and Mohammedanism and Sufism and astrology and occultism and theosophy? And he says, that's what I mean. Where where else are we going to go? There's so much in the world pulling us. We're like a float at sea. The waves crashing over us. We need Mary to say, do what he tells you. And we need the church to keep us afloat. Moving on. And thou who begot thy holy creator, while all nature marveled, virgin before and after, receiving that Ave from the mouth of Gabriel. So Gabriel says, Ave, hail, hail Mary, full of grace, he says. And he sets her apart. Right, this this uh, is uh, the doctrine of the perpetual virginity of Mary, uh, forever attaching her to the Ark of the Covenant, the temple. She is set apart for the Lord. She's holy, set apart. That's easy to say about Mary. We read it in the scriptures. Okay, we said it our whole lives in the prayers of the church, right? What about the church? It's harder for us to say it about the church. Is the church holy? It's hard to say it when the church has let us down. When members of the church, maybe even our own family or our own parishioners, right? Parishioners have been gossips and have talked about people and maybe driven people away. Pastors have been inconsiderate narcissists. Priests, some priests have been monstrous abusers. Some bishops have been self-preserving cowards. Some popes even have been disastrously scandalous in history. How can we say that the church is holy? We can say about Mary, we should say about the church. How? Well, we say it every week in the creed. You're going to say it today. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The key is to distinguish between the individuals, the individual members, and the whole. See, the church is greater than the sum of its parts. Yes, each individual person, you and you and you. I didn't mean to point at those individuals, but, you know, every priest 
is not perfect. Every pope is not perfect. But the grace is that when you pull it all together, Christ makes his church holy. In fact, the fallenness of individual people in the church is a sign of the divinity of the church. Because there's no way a church led by these imbeciles, like this dude right here, should survive. Actually, it was summed up in, in, a, in a famous quote. Uh, there was a cardinal, Consalvi, and, and uh, the, Napoleon had kicked the Pope, Pius VII, out of Rome. He had banished him. He, was, he said, I'm going to destroy the church. He turned to the cardinal and said, look, I've banished the Pope. Napoleon said to Cardinal Consalvi, I'm going to destroy the church. And the cardinal goes, no, you're not, your majesty. If the church hasn't destroyed the church by now, you have no shot. Right? That's, if Peter can't destroy the church, if Judas can't destroy the church, if the Borgia popes can't destroy the church, it ain't going to happen. Because even though individuals are broken, the church is holy. The last phrase in our alma mater, have mercy on us sinners. Okay, that's easy about the church, right? The, Jesus gives the authority of the, uh, to the church to forgive sins. John chapter 20. Matthew chapter 16. He says, Who sins you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Who sins you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. We want to know our sins are forgiven. God can do it. But the surest way is through confession. He's not bound by the sacraments. But we are. Why walk when you can take the bus? This is another way of saying it. Right? So that's easy. God gave that. Jesus said that to the church, to the bishops. What about Mary? This is a song written to Mary. And we say, have mercy on us sinners. Is this not falling into the trap that many Christians might uh, say about Catholics, that we are making Mary out to be a God, that she has the power to forgive sins? We ask her, have mercy on us sinners. Well, no. See, the mercy Mary gives us is not her absolution. That's reserved for Jesus himself. The mercy she gives us is her son. The mercy is her yes. The mercy is her, her mothering our redeemer, nourishing mother of our redeemer. Every time we bring somebody like Mary brought people to Jesus and Jesus to people. Every time we bring somebody to the sacraments, we're having mercy on them. Every time we bring a child to the, the font of baptism. We're having mercy on them. That's a great mercy. Every time for the rest of their lives, we bring them to the Eucharist. That's a mercy. See, Mary gives us the greatest gift, the greatest mercy, which is he who is mercy itself. The church and Mary are really the nourishing mother of our Redeemer. The church and Mary are our Alma Redemptoris Mater, our alma mater. So I want you to imagine if at the next rock and bowl, back to school night, after all the chants and cheers and hoorahs of the various alumni, I get up on stage and I say, oh, yeah, I got an alma, ma alma mater for you. Alma Redemptoris Mater. Maybe that's not the right place for it. But you know what it is? At the end of this Mass, we'll all pick up our hymnals, knowing what we are saying, and we'll sing our alma mater. 
Please stand for our profession of faith.